So uh, people are sitting down. Um, Katie told a true story. Uh, I actually thought it was more like eight, nine, and ten years old, uh, honestly. Uh, and I, I cried <laughs> the entire time, like from when the first firework went up until ten minutes later when they stopped exploding in the air. That that was the whole time I was crying. I I just went like this and cried the whole time. It was it was terrible. And uh, now I play the drums as loud as I can. Um, but uh, anyways, uh, Katie mentioned uh, put your seatbelts on. And uh, we're actually going to do something really, really fun, really quick. Uh, so who, does anyone like roller coasters? <laughs> All right, so we're, we're going to have a little roller coaster ride real quick. Wherever my hands go, your hands go as well. So strap, strap them in, everybody. All right, we're going to go up first, right? All right, fast forward 20 seconds. We're uh, 300 feet in the air. Uh, <laughs> man, that was fun. Jeez, man. That was... Uh, okay, and uh, now you can, uh, you may now unstrap your seatbelts. Have a good day. Sweet. So, uh, excuse me if I take a sip from my uh, water bottle while I'm preaching. I might need some water. There's a video Charles showed us <laughs> about this guy who sings at church. And uh, he he's singing, he basically seems to sing the same line like 20 different times going up like uh, just changing keys, and he takes a sip of his water like right when he's supposed to be singing. It's hilarious. Ask Charles for the video. It's so funny. Uh, but anyways, Katie mentioned we're talking about love tonight, and so Justin J. Swizzle is coming down to read for us tonight. It's uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 31 through 13, verse 13. It uh, starts off at 1231. Uh, now, eager, now eagerly desire the greater gifts, and yet I will show you the most excellent ways. If I speak in tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It, is, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always preserves always perseveres. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass, for we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Thanks, Justin. Uh, that's awesome. Man, y'all, I'm so excited to preach right now. Uh, but let's pray real quick, and then we'll get into it. Father God, thank you, Lord, uh, just for um, this journey you've taken us on through uh, through First Corinthians, Jesus, and the things that uh, you've taught us and the, the ways in which you've grown already, Lord. Uh, Lord, would you just anoint me right now to uh, to speak from your heart, God, um, and, and from mine as well, Jesus. And, uh, help me speak your words, Lord. Uh, open our hearts, Jesus. Help us hear from you specifically, God. Uh, we want to love you tonight. In your name we pray. Amen. 
Sweet. So if y'all don't feel terrible already just by looking at that description of love, um, I'll help you feel even more terrible by breaking that stuff down even more. Um, but anyways, I'm just saying that because as I was studying and preparing this sermon, I felt terrible at least 10 times about myself. Um, but anyways, uh, when we picked uh, like topics for you know who's going to preach what, um, you know, I, I got love and I was like, man, I don't really feel qualified to talk about, you know, love because you know, I'm not married, you know, stuff like that. And and uh, I thought about just, you know, playing some some love songs by some of the experts like Jay Beebs, yeah. T Swift, right? Usher, you know, any country artist, right? They're experts, all of them. Um, but uh, I decided not to. Those guys know a little bit too much about love, probably too advanced for us. So we'll just stick with the Bible. Um, but anyways, I'll give it a shot, even though I didn't have my first love when I was 13. Um, so we'll, we'll try this. Um, so as we go through this passage tonight, uh, I just want you guys to like put yourself in a position where the Lord can really speak to you. Ask the Lord, like, hey, what are you speaking to me about this specific aspect of love, right? Um, the Lord really wants us to learn how to love each other better. Um, and through this scripture, through what we go over tonight, uh, he can do that if we're willing to let him uh, change our hearts and change the way uh, that we treat people. So that's what we're going to do tonight. Um, it's crucial uh, that we understand this passage and what it means for us, because um, whether you're a Christian or not, the conditions for friendship are the same. Um, and so understanding these things will help us both now and for the rest of our lives have healthy and lasting relationships. And so it's, it's so important that we understand these things um, because these these things make or break the rest of our relationships for the rest of our lives. Um, so this stuff is really important. Uh, so let's go back to the middle section of that. Yeah, there you go. So the description of love, right? So I'm not going to go through it again. Um, we'll go through it a lot this whole night. Who's heard this passage before? Many people. Uh, a lot of times a pastor will read it at a wedding, you know, it's, you know, husband, love your wife like this, wife, love your husband like this. It's the same. This is the description of love that's used a lot in the church, right? Well, that's actually not the original context in which Paul, the Apostle Paul, wrote it to the church in Corinth, right? He's writing this First Corinthians letter to the church in Corinth, and the original context actually kind of goes back to uh, what Dryden preached about when the same Houston team was here in March over a month ago. That's crazy. They were here over a month ago. That's so long ago. Um, anyways, uh, you know, he preached about, anyone remember? Fellowship kind of, yeah, body of Christ. Right. So uh, Dryden preached on the body of Christ and how we're supposed to love each other as the body of Christ and how we can grow, you know, uh, through each other's friendships and, and how we can, you know, basically fulfill the Great Commission through the entire body, right? Well, this is right after that. There's a few verses in between where he left off and where we're starting tonight that I didn't put in there. Um, but basically, the original context for which Paul wrote this portion of Corinthians is to show the Christians how to love each other in the body of Christ. That's his original intent, Right? So the question is, why would Paul, a church leader, need to write to a bunch of Christians how to love each other? That seems pretty funny, right? I mean, Christians, of all people, God's people, should know how God would want everyone to love each other, right? So what's the deal? Why, why did he have to write them? Uh, here's a few reasons why, I think. First, they probably weren't loving each other, right? Right? I mean, this this r letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth was in response to problems that they were already having. So if he had to address, hey, you need to love each other and this is what love looks like, probably means that they weren't loving each other, right? Um, and he mentions uh, right before this portion of scripture, um, you know, speaking in tongues, prophecy, faith, this other stuff. In that portion of scripture, he's basically just saying, um, these things you guys value over love. And you're trying to do these things outside of love, and that's why your church is falling apart. One reason, right? Um, 
those four gifts specifically, spiritual gifts, were like really big in that time and in that day of the church. And so that's like why he addresses those things specifically. Um, but he's pretty much saying like any good thing that's done without love is meaningless. Right. That, that's that's what he's saying in, in that portion of the scripture right before this. So how does that relate to us today? The things that we value may not be those four gifts, but there's other things that we do value whether it's in the church or in the world today, like uh, good grades, um, a good job, a lot of money, uh, dating somebody, um, you know, having, having a good car, being athletic, being musically talented, you know, just different things, right, that, that is, like, valuable to have in, in our world today, right? Um, well, just like that church, you know, we need to understand that these things are temporal, right? And anything done outside of love, even if it's like good things. Paul didn't devalue these things. He was just saying, hey, if you guys have these things without love, you're going all, you, you're, you're all, going all wrong about it, right? And so he's not devaluing things. We, we can still seek after these things and, and fight for them and want to have them and value them. But if we value them above love, then, you know, that's, that's wrong. A second reason, I think, is because... Uh, he needed to show them what real love was like, right? He wouldn't have described love if they already knew what love was. It's important for us to remember uh, what Corinth was. Corinth was the center of Aphrodite worship. Aphrodite was the goddess of love and sex, right? Jordan kind of gave us a picture as to what Aphrodite worship looked like uh, a couple weeks ago, and if you missed it, uh, it's okay. Just know that it's very immoral, and it's probably something that you would see in like rated X movies. Basically, um, very just, just very bad stuff. Um, and so, it'd be ignorant of us to think that growing up in a society like that, with that stuff going on around you, that you don't have a misconception of what love looks like, right? You know. Um, and, and so that's one reason I think Paul, you know, had to define love because these guys, some of them might even ha- might have even done some of that stuff in the temple, you know, with with the, you know, the prophetesses or, you know, all, all the other, you know, just junk in there, basically. And then they get saved. Right. And then they have to, like, unlearn and relearn what love is. Right. Because their their perception of it was skewed. Um, these are some of the things that they're going through today. I mean, everybody has an opinion on love, right? Inside the church and outside the church. Um, just type in Google, you know, what is love, baby, don't hurt me. Um, or, you know, just like, you know, just find any love song. Go to Spotify, type in love, listen to the fir- first five songs. He probably can't get past 30 seconds of each one of them before he hears something totally inappropriate, right? Just not good. You know, everyone has their own idea of love, and and most of it is wrong, right? So we are also battling this universal idea of what love is, right? So in a nutshell, this is what Paul is saying. Love is to be valued above all things. Love is eternal. This is what love is described. And anything we do without love is meaningless, Right? So choosing to love someone can be really tough sometimes. Um, It's not always easy, um, but it's very important. And because it's important for the rest of our lives, that's why we're going over it tonight. Cool? So we're going to break this down, each one of these characteristics of love. So y'all get ready. We'll go through this and we'll have fun. So I'm going to spend a little bit more time on some of them than others. Um, but yeah, just allow the Lord to show you guys, you know, which, which ones that we need to specifically work on because we want to love well. I'm not trying to, I will not, I'm not going to be condemning anyone as like, hey, if you're bad at this, you need to step up your game. You know, this is like, this is, I want the Holy Spirit to convict us, right? Um, these things are important. So that's why we're looking at them. Also, it was really cool thinking about it. When Paul wrote this, before and during, he was probably convicted of, like, his own ideas of love, too, you know? Um, 
just as I was preparing this, you know, in the same way I got convicted, he probably got convicted too. So Paul grew too. He wasn't always perfect. He never was until, you know, eternity. Uh, but anyways, uh, so Henry Drummond uh, calls these three things, or these nine things, um, the spectrum of love. So like you have light, you know, there's, there's different colors and light, and we see, you know, whatever light we see. That one's bright. Um, and But it, it can be broken down into, like, different different colors within that light, right? And so this is what we're doing with love, right? We're just breaking it down to its elements. Um, oh, dang it. Um, Holden, is my backpack right there? Uh, I need you to grab something in that outer pocket. Um, but uh, anyways, in one second. Nope, the, uh, the zipper, the small zipper. That one, yeah. Yes, that one. Nope, the other one. Oh, it just, just bring it here. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> That's a good thing to give away any day. It's this one. Guys, I'm unprepared. This is what being unprepared looks like. Oh, oh. All right. Hey, greatest thing in the world. Who wants a copy? Sarah, guys, a lot of the stuff that I got um, from what we're talking about tonight is from that book. It is amazing. It's like 40 pages of the best thing you've ever learned about love. It is amazing. It is so good. You can read it in like an hour. It is amazing. Uh, It's amazing. Uh, Anyways, okay, so first one, love is patient. Man, this one is amazing. So basically, there's patience and there's tolerance, right? Um, another word for patience is long-suffering, and that basically just means I will suffer as long as I need to in order for um, for things to be as, as they should be, right? Um, there is between patience and tolerance. Tolerance doesn't really take, like, you to care about anything, right? Um, it, it just is... Um, it's like, okay, you know, you're this way, I'll tolerate you, you know, go do your thing, you know, whatever, right? That's, that's tolerating. Patience involves hope, right? So when we're patient with someone, it is I am choosing to wait because I believe in what this situation can become, right? And anyone who's waited for something knows that it is very active, right? Waiting can be passive, but a lot of times, if it's intentional, it's very active. Yeah, so we, we basically wait because we, fo- we look forward, within a friendship context, we look forward to what or who that person or that friendship can become, right? Um, incredibly important. If we're not patient, we're probably going to bail pretty quickly or we're going to get frustrated and feeling going to get hurt, and it's just going to be a mess, right? So we need, we need to wait. A lot of times we can get frustrated with our expectations on other people or on the relationship that we have with people, and we get frustrated because those people or relationships don't meet our expectations, right? And so we need to be patient with people so that we can grow into those, you know, potentially grow into those ideas or, you know, just so we can grow as individuals and in our relationship as a whole. Love understands and therefore waits. Love is kind. The best way to say this is love finds a need and meets it. We've said that before, um, I think. If not, love finds a need and meets it. What does that look like? It just means you walk into a room, you walk into a house, uh, your house at home or here or, you know, your room with your roommate, uh, wherever it is, basically, and you say, what needs are there in this place and how can I meet them, right? With a friend, you know, it's like, what what can I see that, that they are lacking? Or what can I see, not in like a judgmental way, placing your standards on them, but what, Lord, what do they need, and how can I help them grow into the person that you want them to be, right? That's, that's finding a need and meeting it. You know, maybe if someone's having a bad day, making them laugh, you know? Or if they don't want to laugh, maybe it's just crying with them, you know, whatever, if fireworks are going. Um... Or, you know, it's, you know, maybe if it's, if it's a ride, you know, like, hey, I don't have a car. Hey, man, I'll give you a ride. And anything, right? Love finds a need and meets it. 
Love does not envy. Man, this one, I feel like, probably will apply to everyone in here. You might be able to think of something. Um, another word for envy is jealousy, which is basically just wanting what you don't have, right? Um, an area of my life, and I didn't realize this until last summer. So funny story, we went to New York. Our staff did last summer at the end of the year, and uh, we wanted to see Timothy Keller's church, and he has two locations. We went to the wrong location, so we saw some Korean guy preach, right? Uh, shout out to your Asians. Marco. <laughs> uh, but anyways, uh, right, so we, we heard this guy preach, and it, w- it, was, it wasn't Timothy Keller. It was a great sermon, though. He preached about envy, right, um, about coveting as one of the, you know, Ten Commandments, and it, it hit me hard. Basically, during that sermon, I was able to see that the area that I envied was with relationships. Not like dating relationships, but friendships. So I love Sean. We're close, right? If him and Christian are hanging out, and I see that Christian is having more fun with Sean than I think I have with Sean, I get jealous, right? Is that out of a good motivation because I want to be close to Sean? Maybe. But it's still not good because it's jealousy, right? Jealousy is pretty much saying, Two things. I'm not grateful for what I have. And I don't trust that God has already given me what I need. So crazy. Which <laughs> really stinks when you think about it. Uh, so one guy that uh, got envy. This guy. Some of y'all don't know who he is. This guy's name is Smeagol. He's like a hobbit, but he's not a hobbit. I don't know what he is. Haven't read the books. They explained it in the movie. Forgot what he was exactly. But this is Smeagol. So, right? So, he sees this ring, and he says, I want six because it's my birthday. Right? So, it's his birthday. His friend finds this ring, and he feels like he needs it. And so, he basically steals it from him. I won't say anything else. If you want to watch the movie and have it, I won't give anything away. But basically, he gets the ring, right? Well, after this, that's what he turns into. Right? That, that is Smeagol post-envy. Don't be like Smeagol. <laughs> His name is Gollum. You don't want to look like that. Or you don't want to act like him either. Watch the movies, Lord of the Rings. They're so amazing. Me and Charles are on the fellowship right now. It's so good. Man, it's so good. Uh, but anyways, we can't envy. It's a lack of gratitude and a lack of trust for the Lord for giving us what we need. Right? Envy can tear apart friendships so much um so bad next one do not boast do not be proud i'm gonna just put them together because they're kind of the same um you guys probably immediately thought of someone that you know is just arrogant or prideful or boastful or you know egotistical any of these things that we any of these words that we use for someone that generally we don't like right because they are these things right uh, the Message Bible <laughs> says love doesn't strut. <laughs> I thought it was a funny word. Uh, but the Message Bible is good for understanding certain scriptures that are, like, tough to understand. But other times it's like they're just trying too hard. It's like, you know, Lecrae is like, you know, why else scared to be different? And they're like, oh, challenge accepted, you know. <laughs> and then they did it. Um, also, it's most annoying when Charles does it. Uh, Charles has this thing, well actually, he doesn't actually do this, Damani quotes Charles sometimes, and when Charles specifically says, I'm Charles, right, Charles never says that, it's something Damani does about Charles, I'm not sure what, where that started, but anyways, I mean, it's, it's like, it's like the same attitude, right, if Charles was actually like that, it's like, oh yeah, I'm the best, look at me, you know, I'm so cool, you know, oh, and this is how I hear Every, you know, person that just walks around like this, you know, in my mind, right? And so, anyways, (laughs) on a serious note, pride is seriously damaging to friendships, right? It's pretty much the opposite of humility, which humility is, as we've come to learn, a sober sense of reality, right? It's not thinking too highly of yourself, but at the same time, it's not thinking too low of ourselves, right? It's having an accurate perception of who we are in relation to our friends, 
um, in relation to the rest of the universe, in relation to especially God, right? Uh, Henry German says that humility in a performance context, is it up there? Uh, I don't think I did. No, it's not up there. Uh, anyway, same guy who wrote that book. Uh, in a performance context, Henry Drummond says that uh, humility is to put a seal upon your lips and forget what you have done. He suggests that after love has stolen forth into the world and done its beautiful work, go back into the shade again and say nothing about it. That's pretty cool, right? Within like a, a friendship context. It's so good. It's in the book, Sarah. Man, you got... Some fun ahead of you. Um, but anyways, I was going to mention a uh, context in which I do what Henry Drummond says. But then I was like, I can't do that. I'm going against what I, what I just said not to do. Um, so I'll let you guys find out what that is. Um, uh, but anyways, uh, it's it's awesome. Actually, really cool. Damani has been washing all of our dishes for the past like two or three weeks. Haven't said anything till today. Thank you, Damani. Um, but uh, he like hasn't said anything about it. He's just he's just done it as a great friend. So, thank you. Be like Damani, uh, except don't quote people and things that they don't say. <laughs> but yeah, so so that's that's humility. We need to be humble toward each other and not proud. Love is not rude. Uh, pretty self-explanatory. Kind of just like don't be a jerk to your friends, right? Don't say you know I, my way over your way, um, the opposite of rude is kind of kind, courteous, right, uh, you guys would be surprised at what, like, uh, just everyday simple kind acts can do, um, Henry Drummond says, um, God has put the power, um, God has given us power to affect other people's happiness, right, and, and, and as, as much as, like, we're not seeking other people's happiness or approval, like, g- God does care about everybody, so to be kind to them and not rude, like, goes a, a really far way. And it helps people to see that, like, you know, that we really are different as Christians. Um, so love is not self-seeking. Um, this is more than just giving up rights. Um, rights are kind of external, you know, um, you know, right to, you know, right to happiness, right to, you know, bear arms, you know, all these other things, you know, these are rights that we claim to have, um, not being self-seeking, being unselfish is almost like, really, it's like giving up yourself, you know, um, in order to have like a lasting friendship, if we're not willing to give up ourselves, um, our own personality, um, our own style, the own, our own way of doing things, you know, not that any of these are inherently wrong or anything like that, but sometimes, in order to fight for the friendship, we have to give up ourselves, right? That's really, um, really important. Um, also, I mean, if you really do love this person, it won't feel like a sacrifice, right? Um, I'm, I'm not sure, like, I'm sure you guys have at least, you know, one or two people that you really care about to do things for them, to give things to them, um, even if it's, you know, your entire self, it's, it's not tough to, to give up those things or to fight for those things, right? It just so, comes so naturally. Another way we understand love is unselfishly choosing for the highest good of God in his kingdom, right? We've said that before, too. It's huge. Um, if you're ever trying to figure out, man, well, how how can I know that I'm you know, not choosing for myself? If you go by this definition, you'll be in pretty good shape um, if, if you're trying to, like, figure out what you need to do. Or another question, why do I do it? Why do I do the things I do, and who do I do them for, right? Uh, if the answer to that question is myself or anyone else, really, except for the Lord, seeking other people's highest good, right? Um, if it's Jesus, we're in good shape, right, the answer to that question. So do not be self-seeking. Uh, love is not easily angered. Um, so this is basically we need to keep a good temper, Right? Um, you can really tell what people love most by what they get angry about the quickest, right? Uh, there's so, I've seen, I mean, I've been hanging out with people in college for the past, you know, seven years, basically eight years. And you just see all sorts of things. Um, (laughs) I won't mention one of them. It's, it's really funny, but anyways, I'm sure, uh, yes, by looking at what people get mad at quickest and most easily you can tell what they really love right um so so we need um 
to not be easily angered. The, the Bible points out um, in many places how destructive um, anger can be to relationships. It's found a lot in Proverbs, the book of Proverbs. Um, Jesus talks about it. Um, you know, in, in Matthew chapter 5, he says, if you um, are angry at your brother in your heart, or if, you've, if you're angry at your brother, you've already committed murder in your heart, right? That's crazy, right? Like, I've, I've been angry at plenty of people, and so on the side of God, I've kind of killed a ton of people, which feels terrible when I think about it, right? Um, and he, he's, he's, there's a difference between, like, selfish anger and, and righteous anger, right? Um, and, and so when we're, you know, if we do get angry, Lord, is this something that's just bothering me because I'm selfish, or, or should I be getting mad about this? You know, if the, if, the, if the answer is yes, it is a righteous anger, then, <laughs> Lord, how do I do this? You know, how do I go about, you know, dealing with this? Um, but if it's selfish, then it's like, Lord, forgive me, right? Um, and, uh, and yeah, so it's actually a um, crazy effect. If you can see uh, Luke 15, 11 through 32 is the story of the prodigal son, right? And uh, basically, long story short, dad got two sons, big house. Younger son is like, hey, dad, I want all the money uh, you can give me. He's like, all right, you know, I, I trust you. And he, he's like heartbroken that he wants to leave basically because he's basically saying, I wish you were dead. So he leaves. He goes and parties in Vegas, right, squanders all the money, does no telling what he does, right, and then he ends up eating from pigs, right. And so he's like, man, I, I could be living so well in my dad's house. I'm a fool. He goes back to his dad's house, and he says, hey, dad, I'm sorry. Um, I'm a fool. Just take me back. I'd rather just be one of your servants, one of your slaves than like, you know, living anywhere else. And his dad's like, oh, you know, throw a party for him. Basically, older son comes back in. He's like, dad, are you serious? He basically rebukes his dad for letting his younger son come back. He squandered everything, you know, like he's he shouldn't deserve to come back. And then, um, you know, the dad basically talks it over with his, you know, his older son. And uh, and it's just crazy. Like what what has happened to to people, to relationships, you know, like, what if, what if the dad had, like, kind of, you know, just surrendered to his older son's, you know, the thoughts and words, and then, you know, he completely blows up at the whole party, the younger son leaves, right, because he feels like he's unloved, right, um, it's, it's just, and it, thank you, Jesus, that, that, that dad, that dad, that dad talks some sense into his son, right, if you think about it as, like, honey, um, and acid, right, if you keep, if you kick a cup of honey, what comes out? Right, honey. Kick a cup of acid, acid comes out, right? This is basically our tempers tested, right? Um, some people like kicking over cups <laughs> uh, to see what comes out. It's uh, fun to some people, but I try not to do it. Um, but uh, but anyways, Henry German says, souls are made sweet not by taking the acid fluids out, but by putting something in, a great love, a new spirit, the spirit of Christ. Right? So we need to be full of Jesus if we're going to be slow to anger, right? Love keeps no record of wrongs. Guys, it is so easy to remember the bad things that our friends do to us, right? Um, that those things seem to stick out way more than the good things. Um, we, we need to fight our hardest not to keep any kind of list like this, right? Uh, keeping a record of wrongs is basically saying, hey, you're indebted to me, and I'm going to hold this over your head. And, and, and you, like, it, it's keeping someone enslaved, basically, to, to your own interests. And that's, that's so detrimental to, to friendships, and it's, it's, uh, we, we can't do that. Um, even if you don't tell someone, hey, you owe this to me, um, remember when you did this, if you say it even in your heart, it, it, it's still damaging. If, if we still think, man, I remember when this guy did this, he, uh, he, I, I will never forgive him about that. Adrienne and I were talking about that on the mission trip, actually, really good conversation. Um, but, uh, yeah, we need to, uh, it's, it's tough to forget things that people do to us. Um, but there's a difference between like forgetting and, and, and not keeping a record of wrongs because keeping a record of wrongs is, is almost like an active thing. It's like a proactive, I have this list somewhere in my mind or in my heart that I, that I'm adding, you know, to, to what this person has done against me. And that's, that's what this is saying. And your friendship will not last very long if you're doing that. Um, so 
So yeah. Um, sorry, just don't know what happened there. Um, but yeah. So also, f- we usually don't keep a record of rights, and so that list is going to be way out of proportion, right? Um, it sounds extreme, but that's what happens. We will probably want to destroy that person's life when we start to become embittered by everything that they've done to us, you know, um, and that, and we don't, we don't want that. So love does not uh, delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth, right? Uh, the best way I can explain this is um, love honors. Does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. One way we've come to understand honoring is the difference between having a critical mind and a critical spirit. LT Sears, this should be fresh on your mind. Uh, just took a test over it. Uh, so someone with a critical spirit. That person basically, um, so, you know, me and Alec, you know, we're driving along and, you know, it's like sunset. And I'm like, oh, man, Alec, look at that sunset. It's so beautiful. And Alec's like, are you serious? There's way too much red in it. It's not even correct sunset time. I mean, it's like 5.05. It should be 5.06 looking like that, right? I mean, and there's sunsets every single day, so what's the big deal? <laughs> like, are you serious? <laughs> you know, like, dude, this thing's amazing, you know? And, and basically, um, Alex's not like this, but if he was, we'd have a talk. Um, but a critical spirit is, is someone who pretty much looks for um, anything wrong with every situation, right? And we don't want to do that. We want to have a critical mind. A critical mind, even if there's like only one or two good things about a situation or in context of a friendship, a person, right? To honor them would be to to look for those things, to see them and to pull them out and say, this is why I'm going to love this person, right? Um, does not delight in evil, the things wrong about a certain person or their, their you know, their flaws or whatever, but but rejoices with the truth. You you look and you point out the things that are true and right about that person, the image of God on their life, right? This is this is what that is. It's I got the chills. Um crazy. Um one good person at this, Heather McEntee. She's so good at honoring people. I might have heard her say, well, I've never heard her say any negative thing in my entire life about any person. Maybe I have, but I just want to make her sound perfect. Um but no, it it really like she's show, so good at honoring people. If you have hung out with her before, uh, you probably feel ten times better now than you used to before hanging out with her because she has honored the heck out of you. She's so good at that. Hang out with her if you want to learn how to honor people. Right. So those are a lot of them, and then we have the last four um, of of love. Are are we okay? Is this is this good? Is all this making sense? So I've been like flying through them, trying to like a lot of them. But anyways, um, right. So these man, these last four, the past couple of years, I've had so much experience with these last four elements of love. Always protects, always hopes, always trusts, always perseveres. Um, so our staff, most of us weren't friends before we got up here. Um, Jordan and Katie knew all of us in some context, but a lot of us had to fight to be friends when we got up here, right? Um, so thank you, Jesus. He was able to help us to do that. Um, but yeah, these, these last four, man, they are, they are so crucial, um, in, in fighting for relationships, fighting for friendships. The first one always protects KJV King James version says love bears all things, right? Not like a grizzly bear, um, but like, you know, to, to bear with somebody, right? It, uh, it kind of means to cover excuse me, uh, or like to protect by covering um, and, and not uh, like basically protecting and covering people's errors or faults, right? First um, Peter 4, 7 through 8 says, uh, the end of all things is near. Okay, so. Peter, one of the 12 disciples, the famous Peter, he wrote this. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Guys, this this verse is crazy. Love 
love covers, right? Peter's basically saying like, hey, Jesus is coming back soon. If if we're not like loving each other, then then we're no good to each other, right? And and as we love the things that people do against us, against you, um, not that they won't matter, but they will be covered up by the love that we have for each other, right? And and that's that's bearing with each other. It, you know, like it it puts up with anything, right? Um, not like tolerates it, you know, but it's like okay, I I can last, right? Katie is a wonderful mother. She's got Zoe, who she sometimes has to put up with because she's being difficult, right? But she's bearing it. It's it's an active it's an active choice to bear with Zoe as she's growing at, as as a baby, right, or an infant, whatever she is. Um, but uh, it's also bearing each other's personality, right? <laughs> Not everyone has a likable, completely likable personality, right? I'm guilty of this as well. Not everyone likes everything that I do. I don't even like everything I do. Um, but we need to bear with each other's personality so that that person can can feel free to be themselves, right? Um, and and he, it also means if that person does, in fact, mess up, and they will. We're not perfect. We will mess up. We will hurt each other. We will offend each other. Um, we need to bear each other's faults as well, right? So, man, I love you for who you are. You're free to be you. And when you mess up, I'm not going to hold it against you, right? That's that's um, always always protects. Right? Yeah, always protects. Um, by the way, I got those last two things from Life Together by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He's amazing. Such a good book. Uh, yeah, it's right there. Uh, anyways, um, but uh, always trust, right? Um, this is basically believes the best, right? So last year, me and Charles were roommates. Uh, we are this year too. Um, but, you know, we really didn't hang out much last year or before last year. And there would be times, you know, Charles can kind of be shady sometimes. Um, and so sometimes, you know, he'll go like places or he'll, you know, he'll do things where it's like if I combined with this jealousy that I had for other people's friendships, right, it was like, oh, you know, Charles is probably doing this. Or, you know, Charles is probably doing that. Or, you know, like I'm, I'm – I had to fight from assuming the worst about Charles, right? So I had to trust that Charles was being unselfish and that, you know, he wasn't, like, trying to stab me in the back, you know, just doing whatever your mind goes to, right? Because, I mean, there's, like, sometimes it's like, Christopher, you are an idiot. This is not true. And you have to, like, talk to yourself because you get on this, you know, train of thought that just goes into nowhere and then you realize that, you know, it's like none of this is true. Like, Charles is not this. He's you know, he's, he's loving, he's trying to be my friend, you know, just as much as I'm trying to be his, probably more, um, you know, but it's just like, you have to, you have to like trust the best about people. Um, that it's so crucial having a good friendship. If you start to assume things, um, it, it just, it just tears the relationship apart. Love always hopes. Um, it's connected to patience, right? It's basically believing in someone. Um, it's saying, I, I believe that you can be, you know, this, what, what Jesus wants you to be. Um, Henry Drummond says success is in proportion to their belief of our belief in them. This is like if someone messes up reinstating someone success is in proportion to their belief of our belief in them for the respect of another is the first restoration of self-respect a man has lost our ideal of what he is becomes to him the hope and pattern of what he may become pretty cool right so as we hope for people they can begin to hope for themselves, right? Um, coaches are great at that. Teachers, um, your small group leaders, I'm sure, have done that with you. You've seen, like, who you have been able to become because they had a hope and a vision for your life, right? And love always perseveres. Relationships do not fix themselves, guys. They just don't. There, there are problems that sometimes may fizzle out, but they'll come back later unless they're unless they're fought for and fought through, these things will remain. And I'm not saying that, like, you know, this is only in context to, to bad things that happen in relationships, but a lot of times um, this is where it comes into play is is when, you know, there's, there's some sort of uh, disconnect. Um, I'm really growing in this area myself. A lot of times if people show me that they uh, are, are, are not interested in, in the same intimacy of relationship as I am, you know, like with, like with a friend, then it is, it is tough for me to not just want to say peace out, 
you know, like I'll I'll hang out with you when you're ready to be my friend, right? It's it's fighting through that love perseveres, um, and it and it's saying, um, you know, just I I am not satisfied with where our friendship is at, and I'm gonna fight for it to get to get closer to get where it needs to be. It also never looks back, but it keeps going to the end, right? Um, if you're running a race and you look, you know, behind you, you're gonna slow down. You are going to slow down. Wherever you are looking determines where you will go. So if we look forward, we persevere uh, forward, then then that's where we will go. It'll be tough sometimes, but it's important to remember, I think Charles might have said it last week, feelings follow actions. Katie might have said that. Feelings follow actions. So if it feels like you're not getting anywhere today, persevere tomorrow as well, and the next day, and the next day. And eventually, because of your consistent actions of fighting for this person, hopefully you will be it will be resolved. You will be best friends with this person again or whatever, right? Um, I mean, that happened with everyone in this room. None of us knew each other. Most likely, most of us did not know each other before August 13th or 14th of 2015, right? But because of persevering and because, you know, whoever's in this room, some people who aren't, said, we will choose to be friends. We're all here now, right? That's so cool. Um, Some a lot of us are, you know, best friends too, you know, so it's not just like, oh, you know, an acquaintance, you know, Justin. Um, it's it's good friends. I'm on I'm on good friend status with Justin. Uh we're we're tight. I think I don't know if Charles took my spot. Charles took my spot. Um but uh but anyways, right? Um yeah, so so feelings follow actions. We gotta persevere. Even when it's tough. Even when it's tough. So gonna wrap up uh real quick. Band, you guys, hold on a second. Um, so love never fails, right? If we choose to love consistently, then love, in the end, will win. Because, like Paul said, after this description, love is the greatest of all things, and it will be um, critical to our time, even in eternity. So something really cool all of this, as you've been thinking about, man, Lord, like what, what do I need to work on? I want you to be able to like work through me and in me, and I want to be able to love people better. Uh, it's really cool uh, that that we ask the Lord to help us do these things because if you think about it, um, in in First John chapter four, it says God is love. Right? That's not only what He is. God is just. He's merciful. All these other things. Right? Um, God is not just love. But God is love. And so if we say love is patient, love is kind, all these things, we could therefore say that God is patient, God is kind, God does not envy, God, you know, right? Keep going with with this, replace God for love, and, and you see who he is, right? And all throughout scripture, you know, you, you can see this. There's there's verses, there's multiple verses about each one of these attributes that say God is this or proves him. You know, God's kindness leads me to repentance. You know, right? Um, God is slow to anger and abounding in love. Um, God is patient in affliction. Uh, he's a jealous God, but not in the negative way. He's, he yearns for us, right? He has everything he needs anyways, right? You know, he, he's God, so that's not a problem for him. Um it is impossible for God to boast or to be proud because, you know, in, in context of, oh, you know, you think you're better than you are. Well, God cannot be prideful because he, he, is, he is the most magnificent being in, in the entire universe, right? And so, so there's, it's, it's impossible for him, to, for him to do that. You know, and, and then, you know, just verse after verse after verse, uh, he always hopes, Jeremiah 29:13 or 29:11 for I know the plans I have for you. For I know the dreams I have for you. That's that's more accurately what that word is. I, the Lord has dreams for us, plans, dreams to prosper us, and dreams for us to have a future. Right? He hopes for us. He knows. He he sees who we are now, and he says, "Man, I hope that Nate Sign can be better than he is right now, even though it's pretty much impossible because he's amazing, right? But he he sees our imperfection and he still loves us. He perseveres. He fights for us. He hopes for us. He protects us. He covers everything." You know, like it says, you know, the Bible, like it, it, the blood of Jesus blots out our sin, you know, like his, his, his love in his blood covers us. It's so crazy. Um, and all of these things are true about Jesus. This, this is Jesus. 
Um, so, band, you can come up now if you want. Um, listen to the rest of the sermon on podcast. Stay with the rest. Um, but uh, anyways, just a few verses to kind of like uh, show us um, how Jesus is also like, you know, in this with love. Uh, John thirteen thirty four through 35. Um, Jesus says, a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men, all men will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. If someone's not a Christian and we're not loving each other, they can say, I don't believe you're a Christian because you aren't treating each other the way you should. Jesus gave, that, gave, gave non-Christians that right in that verse. It's crazy. We have to love each other. Um, John fifteen nine through 14. As the Father has loved me, Jesus is still speaking, and this is just like within the same hangout, basically, with his disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I, has, as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. So he says, love each other as I have loved you. And then later he says, greater love has no man than this, that he lay his life down for his friends. And then the next day he's hanging on his cross, giving his life for us, right? He demonstrated the greatest love anybody could ever demonstrate, right? It's so crazy. It's it's amazing. Jesus has done all of these things for us. Earlier in Jesus' life, you know, a religious official comes to Jesus and says, Hey, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus says two things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. These are the two greatest commandments. All of the law and the prophets hang on these. All of the law in the Old Testament that the Jews had to, to, to follow, he said, were summed up in these two things. So Jesus is pretty much saying, if you love, you will unconsciously fulfill the whole law. That's crazy. We don't have to worry about all those individual laws. We just need to love each other. We do these things that we just went over. Love is patient, kind. And we, we look for the other things in the Bible that talk about love. We're going to be in good shape. We're going to be loving Jesus, and we're going to be loving people. So uh, how, can, how can we apply this stuff, right? What, what, where do we go from here? The first thing, uh, we need to get with Jesus. We need to allow him to continue to show us um, how we can better love people, specifically in these ways that he's shown us tonight, right? couple things. We need to read our Bible, right? Look in the Bible where it talks about love. First, second, third John, as well as the book of John. Uh, John was a disciple of Jesus. John says about himself, the disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, right? And, you know, for basically 24 years, I'm like, oh, come on, John, you think you're his best friend? You don't have to put it in your own book, you know? Uh, But it was really cool. A couple years ago, I was just like, no, wait a minute. That isn't like oh, you know, Nate, you know, my bud, right, my closest friend, it was like, no, Nate was in a sorry place before I met him, and then as I actively loved him, he became who he is today. That's what John was saying about Jesus. He said, Jesus, John, me, the disciple that Jesus actively loved and and allowed me to become the man that he is today, right? That's so crazy. Just a little note. So cool. Uh, look in the index in the glossary for where it says love. You will find a million verses. Maybe not a million, but a lot. And uh, Or, you know, Bible Gateway, you know, uh, BibleGateway.com. Type in love or anything like that. You'll see how they, like, connect and stuff. There's some great books that talk about love, right? Um, greatest thing in the world. Get it. You can find find it for a dollar at any half price. Most Goodwills just, you know, you got a lot of time over the summer. Do it before then even. Um, greatest thing in the world, The Mark of a Christian. It's right there on the floor. Uh, you can't take it. That's mine. Um, Mark of a Christian, written by Francis Schaeffer, talks about, uh, you know, like uh, people being able to basically 
as Christians, we need to love each other. Uh, the Four Loves, written by C.S. Lewis. Amazing book. So good. Um, so good. Um, other things outside of, like, the Bible and Christian books? Guys, I'm, I'm setting you up. I'm taking a little bit of time on this, but that's because I want you guys to be able to, like, really be equipped with the stuff so that you can, you know, grow in this um, even before you, like, you know, start putting it into practice. Um, guys, Lord of the Rings, I already said it. Man, it's amazing. If you want to see true friendship, watch those movies, read the books. It is it is amazing what these guys are fighting for and how they choose for each other. It is it is so good. Um, Tolkien was a Christian. Sermons, Timothy Keller, Winky Prattney, listen to sermons about love, you know. Um, any preacher that we've said before from up here, listen to those guys. Um, and Henry Drummond says at the very end of, of that book, I'm not going to give anything away, just... It's it's in there. Um, uh, he says, read First Corinthians chapter 13, the chapter we just went through, once a week for the next three months and meditate on those things. Man, if you do that, I, I, I really want to do that. I'm afraid, but I think I should. Um, do that. I mean, over the summer, if you come back to school, when you come back to school, not if, you know, you, you will be a transformed person. You'll be able to love your family and your friends at home better. It, it'll be crazy. Um, get these things into your life, you know, and, and we'll, we'll learn how to love each other. So devotional life, basically, right? We need to get with Jesus first. Uh, the second, as we learn how to love each other while we spend time with Jesus, we need to put it into practice. So our relationships with other people. So how do I love my classmates, my roommates, my neighbors, my family, my, my siblings, my parents, my friends back at home, my coworkers for the job that I have over the summer, all of these people, right? Choose to be patient, you know? Choose to endure, persevere, um, be kind, find needs and meet them, right? Um, choose unselfishly for the highest good of God and his kingdom. Have a sober sense of reality. All of these things are critical for us, these people may not even be our friends. Like our neighbors, um, we, we kind of know our neighbors, you know, but their friendships look totally different from ours. Um, and, uh, and yeah, we may not be really good friends with them, but if they can see how we love, you know, then it'll, it'll change what they think about, about love, right? They'll ask, hey, why do you do this? So, yeah. And we need to tell people that we love that we love them, right? It's, it's important to tell people that. And... When we love them, we need to have in mind what we're saying when we do when we do say that, right? Hey, I'm willing to be patient with you. I'm willing to, you know, hope for you. I'm willing to persevere for you, right? All these things. Um, so, yeah, we need to tell people. Finally, uh, we need to take responsibility for the people around us. And in a couple different ways, we can pray for them. We need to pray for people around us, our friends, our family. We need to pray for people. Pray for them. Lord, would you show them what it's like? To, to love, you know, would would you help our relationship get better so that I can can lead them towards you, right? Or for us to be able to fight alongside each other, so that we can you know work for you better. Um, also, um, as we love in front of people, they might learn how to love as well. That's fighting for them, you know. Demonstrating love is fighting for people. And also, when friends that are close to us. Maybe not even that close. Um, is kind of straying off the path. Love says, over my dead body will I allow you to live a stupid life. Right? It's fighting for our friends, holding people accountable. So devotional life, spend time with Jesus. Relationships, love people. Responsibility, take responsibility for people and fight for them. Right? Pray for them. So, um, the Lord hopefully spoke to you guys tonight. Um, we're going to pray. And uh, if there's something that you really feel like you need to give to the Lord tonight, um, or, or just something that you're excited about, or, or friendship maybe that, that has been like, you know, kind of tattered um, for a while, or maybe it's today, or whenever it was, you know, like, go to the Lord with these friendships. Go to the Lord with, with your desire to want to love people better, right? To love people how the Lord wants us to love them. And so, uh, yeah, so we're going to pray, and uh, I guess we'll keep worshiping.
Father God, we love you, Jesus. We're, we're grateful, Lord, that you uh, have not just left us on our own to, to have friends, Jesus, and like a, like in water without knowing how to swim, Jesus, but you've equipped us, Lord, uh, with with um, the understanding, Lord, just the directions on how to love each other. Lord, we want to love each other. We want to love you by loving each other. God, would you help us love each other? Would you help us be patient and kind and persevere, Jesus, and, and not boast, Jesus, and be humble, Father God? Would you help us do all of these things? Would you speak to us, Lord? Open our hearts to show us where you want us to grow, Father God, and show us who we can love, Jesus. We need you, God. What would you speak to us tonight? Thank you, God, for your love for us, Jesus, and being patient with us, God, um, and persevering and, and hoping, Jesus. Lord, we love you. Speak to us, God. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.